to the Modicious Podcast, the ninth podcast. And this one is with Bob Beasley. He is a child psychiatrist. You're going to hear me make the mistake that he's a psychologist. That's wrong. Um, uh, we talked a whole bunch about a whole bunch of things about how psychology um, has changed, about how psychiatry has changed. See? There. I made the mistake again. But, um... And he had a really interesting point of view. So, enjoy. That was probably built in the 40s, but it was moved out here. Huh. Well, parts of it. Yeah. It was the old. Uh, G.A. Nichols was a developer who uh, developed Nichols Hills, and uh, he built these what they call salt box houses, mm-hmm. uh, where you had, you know, the house stopped right there, and it was like a living kitchen, mm-hmm. dining. And then upstairs, three bedrooms and a little gathering room. So, so that's how that those holes. You can see them as you get in inner city. You can see the old salt box kind yeah. of house. Yeah, just so like this, square. Yeah, just square, easy mm-hmm. to build. And this one, a builder actually moved it out here in the '60s, mm-hmm. and then he added on some, and we've added on some. And so mm-hmm. it's just kind of a conglomerate of things, but mm-hmm. but it's. Uh, it's really pretty accessible. It's not, you know, because you got, uh, you've got I thirty five Broadway Extension, and yeah, so you can get get around pretty easily, even though it's still in the country. And it got this area got left behind because of the the uh, integration kind of concerns when the uh, African American population was northeast, yeah, and then Edmond got built up, and then this was not developed. Mm. Because of school systems and, and kind of just yeah. that whole kind of thinking people at that time. So yeah, the neighborhoods are really driven by the schools to where like to schools yeah. and yeah and and to the to the kind of racial mixtures. I mean, mm. people, people still yeah. So that's still yeah. Because I remember whenever because I I graduated high school at, at PC North yeah. and it started out pretty white yeah. and then it got changed. Yeah, yeah, it changed over a period of time. Mm. and particularly because. Caring families wanted a good school system, and they were willing to kind of move out of the old neighborhoods and move into new. And so, yeah, that's good. 
Um, we can start kind of right, go ahead with uh, you. Um, what made you get into child psychology? Well, okay, uh, it's actually psychiatry, psychiatry and, and the difference being uh, that you have to go to medical school to become a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. So uh, our son Boots just got accepted to med school. So, so that you have this kind of doctoring kind of idea in your head uh, about becoming a physician. So, yeah. so psychology is more like the study and then psychology has a variety of different kinds mm. of things that, that you can do with it. But, but psychiatry and the, the a lot of the public never knows the, the difference, mm. but, but, uh, it's, it's really that physician based kind of identity that you get first and then you do a residency yeah. in psychiatry. And of course, at the time that I went, uh, I went into internal medicine initially, mm-hmm. and then did uh, that was when Vietnam was on, and uh, and so I uh, the draft was still there, but I the draft ended my internship year, mm-hmm. so so I really didn't have to serve, but I had already decided I would be in the uh, Indian Health Service. Yeah, and so I went. And worked in Indian Health, and and I was stationed at an Indian boarding school in Oregon, mm-hmm. and so uh, for a little over two years, I worked with adolescents, yeah, primarily, and so mm-hmm. that kind of piqued an interest in child psychiatry. But I also think that psychiatry. Most people that go into psychiatry or psychology have some sort of need to tie that profession with things that happen in their own lives, and yeah. So, so there's always a, a much bigger question that you discover as you, as you kind of go through the field. Yes. So. So at first you were more like. Uh, more well, physician identity yeah. and, and becoming kind of a, a physician, and that, and then deciding that I wanted to do uh, work with adolescents and, mm-hmm. and uh, children and families, and so psychiatry became more appealing. Yeah. And. Uh, by the time I did my residency, um, I had had some, if you want to say, general medical experiences, mm-hmm. and I knew I didn't want to do things like surgery, and I didn't want to be in hospitals all yeah. my life, and so there were, there were things that, that kind of narrowed that down, and so anyway, mm-hmm. so I went into uh, psychiatry, and uh, and you do a residency uh two to three years in general psychiatry, and then you do a fellowship in child psychiatry for mm-hmm. another few years. I, so, uh, do you think that there's, because uh, I, I feel like there is, like there's some parallels between, I guess, like the body and the mind. Because uh, I, I feel like, for example, you, you're hungry, you get cranky. Like, you know, like there's still like yeah. people that have chronic pain. Like people are like, oh, what an sure. asshole. But then sure. like they're in, constant pain so it makes them react differently sure. so um, oh, the, yeah well the mind-body dichotomy is getting less and less kind of a dichotomy people are mm. people are seeing that that that, um, that the holistic approach is better rather than separating out I think um, that um, it's it's good to understand 
the physical physicality and the mm-hmm. uh, physiology and the chemistry and the the, uh, the say the organ systems uh, the disease models mm-hmm. uh, a variety the uh, the evolutionary trends that have gone on in terms of so so there's just so much to learn and so yeah. uh, any field of study now is is uh, is usually a journey that 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 you know you you could you can't necessarily kind of know where you're going to end yeah <laughs> in that journey when you start out mm-hmm. I mean I think because uh, that's something that I kind of see. That like so like for example like doctors are very specialized and then they don't think too much about like other factors that affect. Sure, sure, and I think that in part uh, it's hard to be. Uh, if you go back a century, doctors had mm-hmm. to kind of. Uh, I mean, they weren't specialized. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Specialization is has been more a product of things that happen. Uh, in terms of the last century in medicine. Mm. I mean, there was always people that were interested in surgical procedures, and and uh, that's always been, you know, barbers had a had a surgical kind of background. Yeah. Time. So that, that uh, you, you have a, uh, a system of common denominating education, which is, is the basic kind of med school kind of thing that, that you graduate from, yeah. but, but that's just kind of a an entry ticket to, to specialization. Mm-hmm. Specialization, uh, for example, I have a, a ophthalmologist okay, mm-hmm. that I've known for a long time, and I have a glaucoma, which is you know, increased uh, pressure in the uh, fluid system in the eyes. Yeah, so. I go see him, and you know, he gives me drops. And but then he says, "Well, we have, there's a glaucoma specialist." Yeah. Okay. And this glaucoma specialist can actually put in uh, a very small, what they call a stent, a little tube, mm-hmm. to make the pressure better. Yeah. A surgical procedure, uh, and it's uh, so so. Ophthalmology and then a glaucoma specialist. Now, when I had some sort of symptoms of uh, maybe uh, seeing some light flashes, I went to a to person that just specializes more in retinas. Mm-hmm. So, so you yeah. so you take a, a study of the eye and then you can break it down even smaller into mm-hmm. different specialists, and that's kind of what medicine has done, or, yeah. and particularly in the last. Hundred years, it's just been driven more and more that way, and in the last fifty years, increasingly so. Mm-hmm. In part, that specialization got driven by re- the reimbursement system, mm-hmm. the idea that insurance companies had to have advisors that sat on their boards to decide what they would pay and what they wouldn't. Yeah, okay, and that a lot of times they were surgeons that. Uh, that set on those boards, and it got to be that procedures got heavily weighted as far as reimbursement and the insurance systems. Mm-hmm. So people wanted to be able to, to kind of have things that that, are, that they got reimbursed for. So 
our medicine has been driven a lot by procedures. Yeah. So that, Cause that <laughs> everything, so that's why when you go in the hospital, uh, the bill for a pill or the bill for a Band-Aid or the bill for this or this is all yeah. broken down into rather than the, the whole treatment. Now, we're starting to change that reimbursement system, but the reimbursement system drove specialization. Mm-hmm. And I think... Uh, I think uh, spe- specialization is good uh, to some degree, but I feel like it also kind of puts blinders, and it may. I feel like a lot of the times in in medicine, like you patch, like you patch the the symptoms rather than the like bigger. Uh, sure, sure. I, yeah, I mean the idea that that. Uh, and more specifically, let's talk about psychological problems, yeah. where uh, psychiatry was heavily influenced by uh, Sigmund Freud, mm-hmm. and in part, it had to do with with uh, trying to completely understand the the uh, mental processes from the standpoint of being with the patient in a way that allowed you access to a lot of their life history and yeah. a lot of their relationship history mm-hmm. and how they related to you as a psychiatrist. Yeah. So analysis was a huge thing that, that, that Freud got started and it spread throughout psychiatry and mm-hmm. the idea that that you would, that analytic schools sprung up, and you would, as a psychiatrist, you were to become an analyst. You had to be analyzed yourself. Yeah, and that was a long process, four or five years. Huh. And the analyst, your analyst, determined pretty much when you were ready. Yeah. So it was. It was. A, there was a lot of subjectivity in it. Yeah. But. Nonetheless, there was school analytic schools, and and so they were all over the country. Yeah, Menninger's was a big one up in in Topeka, Kansas. Here that, that mm-hmm. got developed after World War II by the Menninger brothers, who who started that school. So there, Oklahoma didn't didn't have one. Yeah, but we had people that trained there. So so analytic thought really influenced psychiatry. So when it came to patients, for example, somebody, let's say, is, that is having relationship problems or depression or, mm-hmm. uh, or just uh, really doesn't feel like they're functioning very well. Anymore. Yeah. And they would go to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist might say, well, you know, you, I think that, that you'd benefit from analysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you might go four or five times a week for our sessions to this. Yeah. To, to your analyst. Yeah, it takes a long and time. And this was this, and you might go for, for years. Woody Allen has been in and out of mm-hmm. analysis. Yeah. You know. Now, the, the idea is is that it's, is it, you know, the question was is that, is this a real standard uh, way to treat certain kinds of human yeah. problems? Uh, well, insurance companies decided that, um, that may not be a good way to for them to do business because it, it was indeterminable how long you might be in it. Yeah. Uh, 
the, the four or five times a week, the, the cost, even you know. Yeah. So so a lot of that was seen as as excessive mm-hmm. uh, from. However, a lot of patients felt very benefited by it, in particular because they developed a relationship with a therapist and they um, maybe in the process got some reparenting. Yeah. They got some insights into their life. They got the chance to kind of... But that was seen as kind of a luxury for, for people that had money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it almost looks like it, it's not uh, like that system was mainly... Like that was the cure. That was your prescription drug going over there. Well, and that... in part, that in part that was a big, big part of, uh, mm-hmm. of uh, particularly in concentrated population areas where, where where people could do that. Yeah, could make an hour a day in their weekly schedule to, to yeah. see their therapist. Okay, mm-hmm. so but you know, you get out in the the rural areas that that's not. Yeah. So, and that population that that served was really uh, people usually that, that, like I say, that, that already had certain kinds of attributes of, of good functioning. I mean, they, they generally could, had education. They often had uh, access to, to uh, money and uh, yeah. issues there. So, so the socioeconomics of that population was was already seen as fairly healthy. Yeah. yeah. But we had another group of population, which was the uh, people that had more chronic and more severe mental illness. Mm-hmm. And they were generally served by a state system. Yeah. We had what we call state hospitals. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always been places where people with chronic mental illness would gather because... It was friendly to them. They they had a, a quote an asylum there. Yeah. Do gooders or I say do gooders, but but people that 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 really had a genuine sense of wanting to help this chronic population. Yeah. And so the state took on the responsibilities of taking people that that had the more severe kinds of problems, such as schizophrenia yeah. or psychosis, mm-hmm. uh, and they provided a living community for them. So we had state hospitals. Mm-hmm. We had a big one in Norman, mm-hmm. it was called Griffin Memorial now it used to be called Central State. We had we had one in the western part of the states. We had one in, in Veneta. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just in like in the eighties like Well this was this was all through the this the ninth you know the nineteenth nineteen hundreds up in up until seventies or eighties when we had a uh, kind of a governmental system that wanted to get out of the business of providing that kind of services. Yeah. The services got more expensive because of more regulations, mm-hmm. because of lawsuits, because of all sorts of things. So, so the state governments wanted to also get away from hiring lots of people. So those people yeah. were state employees. Mm-hmm. But we had the state system, okay, where we had the chronic mental health population, and then we had the, the private practice model, which was more akin to the analytic model. Yeah. And child psychiatry was a relatively new kind of a field that, uh, because most people really didn't want to think that the children had any 
problems, or if yeah. they did have problems, they were to be dealt with in the family. Or mm. so using outside intervention was not something that really was a big part until maybe gradually in the '60s and '70s it became more. Yeah, for adolescents it always had a little bit, but but going back to to the younger children that was always uh, not so so uh, much of a, an idea. And, and you know the the rarity of kids being seen uh, by a psychiatrist, uh, unless there was something really very difficult. I mean, <laughs> you, you even look at the. Uh, the Exorcist. I don't know if you ever saw the yeah. movie The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, the idea that it was seen as almost a possession. Sometimes mental illness was. Yeah. Uh, so, so there, there were other ways that were handled. That mm. they didn't. There wasn't a formal profession that was that was doing that. Had slowly evolved uh, more since since the after World War One, and and uh, there had I mean there had been a lot of children that were displaced by, particularly in Europe, that were displaced yeah. by, by the war, had lost parents. Uh, so there, there was this sense that there was this group of kids that, that really needed kind of uh, watching by, by more than just parents. Yeah. And so child psychiatry started to come along in that, that era. Mm. Um, and obviously, uh, when I got involved, uh, there are uh, psychiatry fellowships or training programs that there were uh, they were throughout the country, but but it was still uh, you know you might have uh, 70, 80 programs in the in the country, and the production of child psychiatrists was pretty low. There was because most people went into general psychiatry, stayed in. General psychiatry. Yeah. So, child was was uh, more training and uh, and not necessarily more lucrative than I mean, uh, adult psychiatry was yeah. was kind of easier to do. So, so uh, anyway, I'm back to this contrast between these two groups of people. Mm -hmm. The uh, so-called analytic school and the people that practice with chronic mental ill in the state systems. The state system started using more and relying more on psychopharmacology to treat people. Yeah. And gradually that became more and more of an area of interest in the, in the pharmacological companies. Mm -hmm. And it drove uh, the idea that you could start to treat mental illnesses with medications and it was less costly yeah. than doing this analytic yeah. work and, and these deeper kinds of therapies, relationship therapies. Mm. Do you think that that's true? Do you think that... Oh, like, it has. It's taken over. You know, mm. it's just, it's completely taken over. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I mean, you look uh, at the, the number of... I mean, now most depressions are treated by primary care physicians with medications. Yeah. And if you go into a primary care office, the likelihood that you'll get a, some sort of depression screening mm -hmm. or inventory, and uh, you get a score on that, and then the, then the primary care physician will will start discussing maybe you need to be on an antidepressant medication. 
but uh, have you have you heard of because uh, I think uh, like exercise has been proven oh, sure, to like sure, sure. No, be no, no, like way more effective than like antidepressants. Well, I, you know, I mean, first of all, you're, you're starting in this profession, and, and as you go further into it, and particularly if you get into uh, st statistical analysis of studies, and mm. and you start to look at it, it, you'll find that that you can kind of justify anything mm. in and the if you become a, a researcher the idea is is that you may have a, a better ability to discern which which of the quote studies or which of the quote, uh, therapies yeah. have more value mm. and so so you can you can kind of start to to pick and choose what you want to kind of say is works but yeah. um, we've turned to this kind of uh, new catchphrase which is called evidence based Yeah, and when you start to break down how many studies are rigorous mm -hmm. how many studies uh, are uh, don't ever get published because the results don't don't fit with what the person sponsoring, the pharmaceutical companies sponsoring uh, research, they may not ever want it to be published. Yeah. If it doesn't fit their profiles. Yeah. Okay. So, also, so, so yeah. The, the, the profit motive has a huge effect on all of those kinds of markets mm -hmm. and all those kinds of studies. And so uh, the longer I've been in the profession, the more leery I am of saying anything is, quote, better than yeah. This or better than that. It, it really comes down to trying to tie what you, what an individual that's seeking your services, or a family that's seeking your services. Because yeah. in child psychiatry, you, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting because the the word patient comes from uh, the. Uh, the the word of somebody that's suffering, yeah. Uh, and so, the word client comes more from the idea that some that you have a have a uh, reciprocal kind of uh, business operation with them, with them. But the physician patient relationship was always seen as the healing and the suffering. Yeah. As whereas the the client relationship is more I want to do this and, and can you help me do this mm -hmm. or we enter into an agreement that you offer this service to me mm -hmm. and, and it, those have kind of blended over periods of time yeah okay yeah and, and so that, that now we have a system where where particularly the idea that the doctor knows best or is not necessarily that. It's yeah. what does the patient want? What does the client want? So yeah. you start to fit uh, kind of a service or a treatment or whatever mm. to to what, you, what the patient or client wants. Yeah. And, if, you know, if you come in and let's just say uh, someone is more prone to to the physicality of exercise, okay, that, that most all of our therapies that address 
everyday emotional issues, mm-hmm. okay, are short lived. I mean, they come and they go. Yeah. And depressions come and go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, so the idea that that any treatment that you might apply might give you a good result. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, but trying to say which is relatively better and which is which is statistically proven, which is evidence based, then you get into these congresses of of large numbers of, mm-hmm. of professionals that decide that this is the right treatment. Yeah. Um, and that's established treatments. Mm-hmm. Quote the establishment gives you those treatments. It's not necessarily uh, uh, something that is, uh, quote, the best in terms of uh, fits everybody. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily the best in the fact that it won't change, that there won't, there won't be others because, you know, I mean, there are how many medications for depression. I mean, there yeah. have been, you know, uh, it's more in the, the uh, hundreds rather than tens. Yeah. Okay. And they, but in my opinion, it's hard to say that that you find something that's so superior to the others that mm-hmm. that that's. And it's it's also kind of difficult to to know. But nowadays there are these established what they call algorithms of treatment. You start with this, and if that doesn't work, you move to this, and if yeah. that doesn't work, you move. You know, so so, and those are set up by people that have connections with usually research that's driven by uh, big pharma. Yeah, uh, because the government's out of the research business. Yeah, it used to be in the research business, but no more. It used to get grants funded, but. There's some big studies, that, but but if you're going to do a study uh, and promote yourself, you're yeah. probably going. Your probably best source is going to be to get uh, established with a pharmaceutical. Because I I imagine also that I mean it's a lot easier to I don't know where you stand. It sounds like thank you. Sure. Um, it sounds like you. Arnhem. Not poo-poo on the idea that like exercise is like better, oh, no, no, but no, no, I'm not. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's. You can, you know, everybody uh, will find uh, a niche. You know, I mean, mm. it, it's, it's uh, obviously uh, when when I started, uh, psychiatry had to, had a lot to do with interpersonal therapy, and you mm. you did longer term therapy with patients. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you did. You did. That's what I did, but more like uh, talk therapy. Exactly. Well, mm-hmm. with children, there was a lot of play therapy. Yeah. And with families, it was a, a systems kind of therapy. Mm-hmm. So most of it was about allowing whoever was coming to service to get a different view of what was going on. Yeah. A problem-solving view, mm-hmm. and whether it was their child or whether it was. Uh, with the school system or whether it was with uh, the peer system whatever it was it was it was meant to kind of uh, readdress something that wasn't wasn't 
conceptualized uh, in a new way that, that allowed people to kind of grow from that. And I feel and, like there is some merit to actually trying to understand or I guess like look more inward to see like this is how this affects me or this is how I feel about this. Sure, sure. So, so when, I, when you would start off with a child, uh, you really you took a fairly in-depth family history so that you tried to understand uh, the parental system mm -hmm. and, and the grandparent system and what happened and how the family came. Mm -hmm. you, you gathered a lot of kind of uh, knowledge about uh, generations. You gathered a lot Their of dynamics. knowledge. Their dynamics. And then you started to look at what happened, uh, how was, what was the, the issues around uh, conception. Was this a child that both parents were ready for? Or, yeah. You know, this was, where were they in their lives? What, mm. uh, what did this child mean to them? Yeah. You start to get a lot of different conceptions. I was reading about, you know, Adrian Peterson, mm -hmm. you know, just a little bit. Um, and I'd known a little bit. His dad had been in prison when he was uh, playing down at OU. And, yeah. But, you know, he got this, this, quote, child abuse charge. Yeah. And... Uh, one of the things that, that, you know, if you were dealing with a parent, for example, who felt like that the use of force with with the child might, you know, might uh, help, okay, mm -hmm. but themselves weren't able to regulate how much force to use. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we would we would start with the premise of if you're going to work with a guy like that, that okay, his background and what happened to him, and because mm -hmm. he has this idea that well in Texas everybody, you know, gets my dad spanked. hit me, so yeah. yeah, 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 this is how it worked for them. Now you also have to realize that Adrian Peterson's a very busy man, with yeah. the demands of his profession and. Mm -hmm. And in the, the uh, article, it said that Peterson had seven children by multiple women. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I always thought that was multiple women. They say three or four. You know, however, yeah. or as, you know, I mean, it, it just left it to the fact that he was, you know, some sort of racehorse up. Yeah. You know, and so that the idea of how much kind of connection you have with a, a four or five-year-old child is yeah. very important how much... You're in their routine daily life. You mentioned your dad's not. Yeah, he's, he's away a lot. Mm -hmm. So, so that whole idea of of sensing his daily schedule and sensing how his moods fall and rise yeah. and all of those things are harder. Okay. Yeah. But with Peterson, is probably with his kid. Then you also look at uh, children four to five years old uh, can't physically kind of calm themselves down. Yeah. But they need adult help for that. Yeah. For and although spanking has been a process where you, you know, it's kind of like... Uh, Action, reaction, I guess. Uh, or, you know, like if you have a fire, you can drop a bomb on the fire and put it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that? It, it, I feel like it, it's a very immediate... Well, like, it takes all the oxygen out. Yeah. Okay. Mm. The explosion 
sucks up all the oxygen to fire the skull. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that's kind of how spanking works. You yeah. Know, and you you just overpower the the central nervous system with pain, mm-hmm. and whatever they were upset about goes away. Yeah. Okay. But they're left with a new kind of yeah situation. That I, you know, and and so it, it may have been effective at a certain time of history, a certain time of life, how how it was, mm-hmm. you know. But it no longer works in this modern world. And then people more and more recognize that you that that kind of force is dangerous because you can you, you can overdo it. Have pretty you, easily. Have you also heard about like the children that get abused sometimes, like sexual abuse, like they don't think too much about it until like they find out that it was wrong. So I think like they, they live with it and sure. they, it's like... Well, you know, I mean, it, it, you also have to think about, you know, if you're uh, a guy going to prison, you know, I mean, you think, well, God, I'm going to, you know, the sexual abuse. I mean, you have a conceptual kind of mind of what that might be. Yeah. Okay. But if you're talking about a, a, a four or five-year-old child that someone... Uh, touches their genitalia, okay, mm-hmm. they may not really have a sexual kind of connotation. Yeah. So it may not be as severe as a teenage girl being fumbled. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, it's not necessarily right, but you mm-hmm. have to conceptualize it developmentally. And that's the big thing with child psychiatry, mm-hmm. is child psychiatry looks... I did look, you know, I mean, it's changed some, but, but it, it's really studied with child development or human development. Yeah. And that's what it was, is and why I see it as so fascinating. Mm. Because we change a lot from birth to yeah. our adult form. And there's a lot of kind of things that go on uh, that, that either enhances that change or has problems with that change and so I think it's just a fascinating area of yeah. of looking at it and unfortunately adult psychiatry is is now predicated on symptoms mm-hmm. and then there's this huge taxonomy, taxonomy. that's my wife Fiva. this is Jesus <laughs> and, and you and Adriana are boyfriend and girlfriend yes. and you have been for a while uh, yeah for a while maybe like Five years. Well, yeah. maybe yeah, that's, that's a while. Yeah. That's a while. Yeah. That's a really while. Yeah. yeah. Well, we knew Adriana uh, when she was Zane's friend in high school. So that's mm. I remember that kind of... Elementary school. Elementary yeah. school. That's right. Yeah. So we go right back. Mm. So, yeah. She's a sweet girl. She's a sweet girl. So anyway, uh, as I was saying, adult psychiatry has become more and more embedded in symptom medication. Yeah. Okay, uh, and the therapy part has been less the psychiatrist domain. The psychiatrist is to to find some sort of symptomatology diagnosis and match it with a medication. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yeah. then follow you as far as the symptoms go. Mm-hmm. Not don't don't care where they come from. Which is also kind of weird, like how. And like how you said, like, finding the symptom to where, like, I don't know. Because, again, I guess saying, like, it's like, I'm sad all the time. It's like, oh, you're depressed. And it's, like, 
did you really find like you just like ad- address the symptom by a different name, but you didn't really find like what's making you depressed? Sure, sure. No, the the the, the what's behind the symptom is not really uh, is seen as is one too labor intensive to to yeah to try to do because mm. and two uh, doesn't fit with the economics of healthcare delivery yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. So, so those things don't don't necessarily add up very well, um, and you know we've kind of made everything a disorder or a abnormality, yeah. and so mm-hmm. the the what they call the diagnostics and statistical manual for mental illnesses mm-hmm. or the international classifications of disease, the ICD, those things have just grown and grown and grown. Because also I heard and that so like everything it, became, you know, then some things were committed, something like homosexuality used to be a part of, of that. Then it was yeah. kind of voted out. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so it doesn't really have so much to do with, with knowing, uh, causality. That's mm-hmm. not really the quest anymore, but that yeah. was the quest when I went into the field and yeah. that was what made it interesting is to, yeah. to, to kind of look and it's usually not you know you know it's not that one needle in the haystack but it's a lot of different factors that yeah. make us yeah so some you know uh, some have been revised over time there have been lots of good minds that have looked at things uh, sometimes too tediously I mean it was just a psychoanalyst analytic thought became so kind of uh, like interpreting the Bible sometimes, you know. Just, yeah. It was it was it was just too tedious of yeah. what was what was meant. So uh, but child development is a real wonderful area of of uh, looking at human condition mm-hmm. and I think and family development and, you know, because of, and the role of trauma. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, obviously, loss plays a huge thing in people's life, and uh, so I, yeah, those were what attracted me. We've kind of veered from your yeah big question, but that's that's kind of um, how do you feel? Because uh, obviously, I mean, I, I personally don't like that we treat symptoms and we don't try to look at because. I feel like these things kind of keep going if you just, sure. like, look at the symptoms. What would be... Because also I, I think uh, kind of like in technology or any single time that you design something, you shoot for an... Like, you look at the ideal and then you, you try to go for it. Like, what would be the ideal system? Because I, I, I feel like it's very money base right now well, like, you know. yeah it's it's hard to take take money out of any equation um, and you know it's it's uh, uh, it's also hard to kind of agree on uh, kind of uh, that all practitioners whether they're whatever they are in the helping professions mm. will have the same kind of, of uh, approach or the yeah. same kind so so it's very hard to standardize anything yeah. so the ideal kind of form gets to 
to an individual. Just you mentioned, you know, exercise being something that you see as is right now as a, a very important mm. condition, and and that is seen in various therapies. You know, I mean, there's research on yoga, and, yeah. and there's there's a lot of different things, like but you know, those things. So so there is a lot of of uh, kind of, and those are those are meant to to kind of not only symptom relief. But also, kind of, if you will, ego strengthening. They make the individual feel feel better about mm-hmm. themselves. You know, if you're physically fit, you know, yeah. you, you know, you feel you know better. You know, if you feel like your body's, then then you, you it's easier to kind of tolerate other things. I, I feel like that, but there's also like natural endorphins that you get from like there's working always, out. There's always and then, a biophysiological mm-hmm. kind of. Connection with, mm. with with anything we do. Yeah, uh, it's it's very hard to, to. I mean, this is one of the things that that, that uh, we start talking about. Everybody has a, a sense that if there was a, a chemical way to do things, mm-hmm. we'd all want it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it would, it would, it would yeah, like, it would, like a perfect patch, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, mm. if, that, if that was there, uh, that would be a great kind of way to kind of, you know, when we talk about ideal things, you know, we yeah. just have this one magic bullet mm. and, and that's it. You know, mm. you take it and, you know, there, what was there, some sort of a TV series on somebody that became super bright because of yeah I think it started as a movie, like limitless yeah, I think that yeah, that was yeah, the movie there, there, there was you know so so that's in our everybody's fantasy yeah you know, it's just it's also being able to do kind of magical thinking yeah. kinds of things you know where 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 this happens and all of a sudden poof so yeah. so uh, but we still are. I guess we reduce things down, complex things down to, to kind of okay. It's a, it's this drug that you mm. know that you exercise and you get endorphins and, and that makes you feel better and, and that's probably probably part of it. You know that's just that's that's a part of it. There's the whole idea of saying I've done it. There's a whole idea mm. of, of kind of the the. You, know, you feel better about your body. You think yeah. you look better. You think you're more attractive. You think, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of how how you said like a needle. Like there, there's a whole bunch of like different factors that just sure, come sure. with the one thing of we sure. talk about it just like working out, but sure, there's also sure, sure. Yeah. exactly, exactly. And so there's just a lot of layers that, that mm-hmm. go on, and uh, that's why you know single uh, single change uh, where they do studies where where you give somebody this, and then you give them a placebo mm. on here, and you compare them. Yeah, one modality. It's hard to it's hard to track more than than one thing. Well, you know, I mean, it's kind of like uh, uh, studies that 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 do things that are seen as representative just of that one change. Yeah, don't necessarily reflect that because. Uh, because a lot of a lot of studies uh, that there's a lot more things that go into to, to that group than to this group. Yeah, you don't know what, sure, what other sure. different so, things. So multifactorial mm. studies are hard to do. You know, mm. gonna, yeah. so uh, anyway, uh, the um, 
again back to that idea of what would be the uh, an ideal. Yeah. Well, I think that that you there's value in symptom reduction. Mm-hmm. When somebody's terribly depressed, they're suicidal. Yeah, you, you obviously reduce like, their symptomatology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone also may be uh, wanting to have a social connection that that grows through life, and yeah. they, they haven't been able to do that. They don't find themselves able to kind of pair up with somebody, or if they do start to pair up with somebody, they have relationship problems. Yeah, those take longer to kind of deal with than than say just a symptom reduction. Yeah. Okay, so so everybody, you kind of have to say, well, what am I in the market for? I feel like and, that's kind of like learning a skill, like yeah. rather than like. Well, sure it is, but but the skill set may involve may involve really understanding more deeply what has gone on to you in life. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have very little understanding of our first five years from our own yeah. memory standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then the next five years is kind of mixed. And so so we can start to date things better once we start to ab- get abstract thought, at, yeah. you know, which is usually around seven, eight plus amounts a year. So, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of things that happen to us that we don't have a good yeah. sense of yeah. that starts our personalities into Cause it, uh, cycle. So There's like so. two kinds of memories and then like uh, implicit and the explicit. Explicit's the one that like we remember. Implicit's the one that like we feel. Yeah, there's, yeah. So, the, so, so uh, there was a, a child psychiatrist named John Bowlby who uh, started uh, the a theory about attachment and how how we come into this world ready to, to instinctually make social attachments and we're yeah. social creatures and and that if that attachment process goes well then then it sets up kind of a certain inner security that we have throughout our life. Yeah. Okay. Mm. But if it doesn't go well for a variety of different reasons, then then it leads can lead to a lot of different symptomatologies and a lot of different problems later in life. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a lot of people don't have much access to knowing what that was about. Yeah. But if you start with families and children young enough and, mm-hmm. and the parents and the children uh, are involved in kind of a a process where you're trying to assure that those early foundational issues are going well. Yeah. And I have a colleague of mine and a good friend who has a, uh, I think called Parent Infant Center. Mm-hmm. And she gets parents that are referred a lot of the times by court systems who are having difficulty with the basic attachment process with their kids. Yeah. Okay. And so, so, Those are things that, that if you're in, you know, your 20s and you're not having good relationship issues, learning a skill set may not, may not help you understand where that, yeah. where that came from. Okay. Yeah. Um, we have 
one of the things that happened with analytic theory is it was too long, too expensive, too hard to measure, too yeah. too hard to reimburse. Yeah. So uh, there was this this thing, cognitive behavioral therapy, that was yeah. was Aaron Beck was this guy that, that was an analyst that that was looking to do that, and, and it became kind of a a huge kind of a of a business because you you had so many sessions and you, and the therapist was trained to get you to examine your thoughts yeah and to, to understand that your cognitions were were not really right yeah and if you changed your cognitions then your emotionality would would follow yeah okay and so that's been a huge that's still the big in vogue thing, right? A medication yeah. and, and, a, and, a, and a time-limited kind of short-term kind of, you know, yeah. reprogramming, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, it may last for a while, but it may not, you know, it may get you over the hump for this and this and then you get back into it. But to have good relationships, to have a family, to, to be able to raise children, all those tasks that we have to do yeah. in life, you know, takes takes a pretty healthy ego to and to work in the world, and, yeah, and do that. So, so people really need to know what what foundational issues they have. Uh, and, yeah, and a lot of people uh, need a uh, someone to help them understand that, and it may be difficult. It may because a lot of times. Some people come to therapy that they don't have any way to understand what went on in their early life. Yeah. Before those kind of active memories were accessible. So that's where child psychiatry, I think, is, has a real big role in, in the world. Uh, I see it kind of like a... But we've, we've changed a lot. You know, now, now everything is ADD and yeah. you know, bipolar and... Yeah. It's, it's right, real in vogue right now to have a, quote, symptom diagnosis. Yeah. How do you feel about ADD? Like, what, do you think that well, that's... Well, I, I think, first of all, the, the acronym diagnosis is, because mm-hmm. uh, we've, we've become an acronym society. Yeah. I mean, self, cell phones haven't helped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but uh, we tend to kind of be... Uh, devalue it by giving it an acronym because it's something that we that's a problem for us to understand it. Uh, yeah. we all oh, we're fearful of understanding yeah it used to be that all the acronyms were kind of you know medical acronyms that, that had some sort of scary thing you know the ER no mm-hmm. one decided that there was really an emergency room or yeah. DOA we would say that they were dead or yeah. I mean those acronyms, and so they've just transferred to all of these things that we want kind of to kind of um, say that they really exist because they have acronym status. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a lot of questions about the underpinnings of uh, are the, the brain-based ADD kind of diagnosis. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Giving somebody different things that make different areas of the brain light up and try to compare it to those, it's a, it's a difficult thing. I think there's a lot more than just uh, this set kind of 
So there's many, many pathways to coming to where uh, a child may be uh, unable to focus on school. Yeah. Or no. Okay. A variety of different things. Yeah. But just to take some symptoms and a teacher rating, and a parent rating, which, which is what the convention was, and then give them amphetamines, which are very powerful. Yeah. Psychostimulants. Uh, and make you very close focused. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's, that we've kind of done an injustice by not really saying, wait a minute, there's a, there's a lot more to this and we need to really look at you know, a, a broader palette for, for this. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like it, it's kind of like a, I don't know, like you, I feel like that kind of energy and like little like spurts and like not being able to focus I feel like that there there is a way to like turn that into something positive sure sure I mean I think that, that uh, uh, you know I, I do think that, that you know there's that people arrive at quote school time at uh, at a different level of, of preparation for school I mean yeah. I always said Desk trained, you know. Mm. <laughs> are you ready to be desk yeah. trained? <laughs> yeah. And not a lot of kids are necessarily ready to be desk trained. And, uh, but there are kids that are just, you know, they are hyper aware of uh, their, whatever's happened in their lives made them hyper aware of their environment. Yeah. Um, which, if you're, uh, <laughs> You're going into a wilderness and you want a good scout. <laughs> yeah, you want that person. <laughs> you want that person. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, but if you're in a classroom, you don't want that person. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're right. I mean, you know, you do want to kind of homogenize um, this, these different kids into a learning situation that can be done under one classroom roof, you know, so to speak. Yeah. And so that's a typical thing, and parents have a lot of role in that. And it's, unfortunately, it's just, a, you know, uh, a real issue with teachers who don't have, bless their hearts, don't have any understanding of what has happened to the child before they yeah. get in their classroom, and mm -hmm. then are supposed to kind of be able to wrestle them to the floor and get them to, yeah. to sit in the desk and that sort of thing. And it's, mm -hmm. And so, boom, you give them amphetamines, and they're, well, look at their hands all the Yeah. So they don't cause any problems. Because <laughs> you know? also, like, what I think about is, like, ev evolutionarily, like, we, we came from, like, hunter-gatherers, sure, where, sure, like, sure. everybody and, and knew so, each other. And so, you know, I've, my, my career's been in Indian Health Service uh, mm -hmm. the last uh, 20, 20 years, you know. Yeah. So um, before that was university, but 20 years in Indian health, I worked with a lot of, a lot of uh, Native American kids who, mm -hmm. particularly more as you got into the, to the closer to kind of uh, lifestyles that, that went back to tribal kind of life. Yeah. Those kids, the whole education system has been put on them. They were not necessarily ready for, for the kind of, I mean, the parents didn't read books. They didn't, uh, uh, 
it wasn't that the kids weren't right. Yeah. Just that, that the classroom didn't didn't bring that out. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't have avenues for them to kind of explore the world and, and do their see their brightness. And that is a big transition and when teachers uh, just don't get the opportunity to kind of work with parents to, to kind of yeah. teach the kids. You mm-hmm. know, parents should be the, the major teaching kind of Yeah. And so, so uh, we, we just, you know, and then we, we, we put a lot on teachers. So, anyway, I don't, I don't agree with uh, the kitchen ducks of disorder uh, brain-based diagnosis. I'm, yeah. I've always had trouble with that. Mm. I, I do think that we're, we're kind of like always adapting to our environment, and then I feel like whenever kids get to school it's a very different like thing that is expected from us to just like sit down pay attention sure. like you know to sure. where like all before this sure. it like sure. that's not and, what it, we're and it's so uh, I mean uh, Viper would you put on some tea water for me Switch? tea water tea water oh, sure. mm-hmm. um, I think that, that you know we have kids late in life Five of us, 39 when she had Zane, and uh, 41 when you had Boots? No, no, 41 when she had Zane, and 43 when she had uh, Boots. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, we were, I mean, I'd been in a career, she'd been in a career. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, our kids didn't really have to ever kind of wrestle with 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 much uh, in terms of parents that had to kind of secure themselves in the world yeah. or educate themselves. You know, it was just having kids late in life, it was different than if we'd had them very early. You know? Yeah. Or, so so it's hard to, to to say those those kinds of kids didn't go to school with anything just didn't really go to school with any kind of concerns back at home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They knew they were, that the parents were not going to fight. They knew the parents were had resources. I mean, mm-hmm. they, their needs were all kind of met. Yeah. It's a whole different thing mm-hmm. than trying to homogenize kids that, that have, didn't have those kinds of things. Yeah. So, so and then, but at the same time, if you're not, if you don't have some of that, sometimes, the you know it's kind of the pressure to kind of overcome yeah. and, and to to succeed, you know, yeah. is not as not maybe as great. So that so that you may not get someone that that is quite as ambitious or quite as as. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I used to. We used to talk about how can we handicap them so mm-hmm. that they can, can yeah. kind of be more successful. Yeah. You know, their drive. You know. Yeah. But it's hard to do. So, 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 yeah. so, a variety of different things enter. And that's why the diversity of the human condition is so, so great. Yeah. Uh, is that your phone, darling? Or is oh, that mine? Thank you. Maybe Zane. Do you know Zane? Have you met her? I met her like once or twice, but never really, yeah. She's, uh, so, 
anyway, so that's so that's uh, that is it. So uh, anyway, so. Uh, Adrian Peterson, if, if I was going to work with him, I would have taught him how to get his child better inner control. Mm -hmm. Okay, help, yeah. to help the child without using physical force. Yeah, yeah. The problem is, is that that I would run into is that Adrian Peterson probably just doesn't have time to do it. Yeah. Okay, so it'd probably be the mother or somebody else that was there with, with the child to, to do that. Mm -hmm. So, so you, you know, you have to look at you look at the situation. Mm -hmm. But often, uh, I'm, often the child psychiatrist can play a big role in helping families to develop different phases of different different times. Mm -hmm. and that. Is something that's hard for insurance companies to reimburse. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, our unit was was going. Uh, we didn't have to worry about that. But now, the criteria for being in an inpatient program is severity of illness, mm -hmm. uh, which you have to meet certain criteria. And then the other thing is, is that well, if they're so severe, how could you let them go home on the weekends? Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's, I mean... Yeah, but yeah. that's a part of the therapy. Yeah. <laughs> and the parents are eventually going to have to deal with them anyway. So, yeah. So, but you couldn't convince an insurance company that that was... Mm. Yeah. And again, that that's also why I heard that, like, in the, in the DSM, like, it... It's like you're not allowed to treat somebody unless it's something that's like in the DSM. Yeah, so then yeah, that's why so to, many things come out. Have, yeah. yeah. And and the other thing was is that uh, if they're in the hospital, then why are they on medication? Mm-hmm. Eight years old, they really don't need medication. Yeah. <laughs> not, they can't. They can't even say they want medication. This is, yeah. Know, I mean, you're an adult, you make, so I, I, can, I, you know, I understand the risk and benefits, but eight-year-old doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's weird how, like, I don't know, medication, like, is so, like, it is so seen as, like, something that's necessary, that, like, if you're sick, you need medication. Um, and seriously, I had to do a bunch of, of uh, continued medical education before I got to New Zealand to work. And, yeah. And, and I was listening to these videotape uh, sessions where where two psychiatrists would get together and they would talk about drugs. Yeah. Where they used to talk about patients and behaviors and different things like that. Yeah. They were talking about drugs and they were talking about the behavior of drugs. Mm -hmm. This drug likes this receptor and it does you know, it's, yeah. it became kind of like the drug was uh, anthropomorphized into, into this kind of entity that, yeah. that you talked about. Yeah. We're used to talking about patients. You used behavior. to talk about the personalities of the right, of the exactly. patients, and now you're talking about the personalities of the drugs, yeah. what the drug likes, and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that changed. That that's kind of how like I I I try to think more about and. I try to think more about like natural things and about sure, how sure. we came. That's really, really mm -hmm. positive. But now, the, the problem is, is selling uh, a 
healthcare system that, that values those things. Yeah. And right now we're in this real kind of edgy time where, where we don't know if we really want to have national health care or not. Yeah. And uh, there's Boots Beasley uh, sneaking around. <laughs> uh, True, we don't know whether we want to have that or not. You know, yeah. That's, that's, I mean, still, I mean, that's going to be the new agenda when the Republican Congress comes back is to try to defeat Obamacare. Yeah. And Obamacare is far from from a idealistic. Yeah. We still have all this insurance company and farm, big pharma built into yeah. it. Yeah. We just have, man, those decisions as a nation are just way too divided right now. Yeah. And hopefully we'll, we'll be able to do that sometime. Mm. But right now, it's just not there. So. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so, so you want to get a master's degree next, and where will you have to go for that? I think I'll stay here, okay. uh, UCO. Okay. Uh, for my doctorates, I, I would have to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but mainly because I'm not a very good student. But <laughs> my. By the way, you've been great here. I mean, you know. See, like I sound like if I'm no, smart, no, no, but no, no. no, well, you know, a lot of that. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of like our uh, uh, doctor Zane. You know, she mm -hmm. uh, she wanted to go to college, and then you know, she decided she would, but she wasn't really you know, ready to just jump in it. You know, mm -hmm. um, no applause, and so she. You know, the first few years were kind of not, you know, it was okay, but not, you know, then, then she got more involved in it, and, uh, and now she's in the master's program, and yeah. it's a whole different kind of a thing, she really feels like, you know, it's, you know, so, so a lot of things where you think, well, you're not as competitive as you want to be mm -hmm. as a school, as you go along, uh, you start to develop things that narrow down your interest. For example, a lot of people aren't very good at math. Yeah. yeah. But you have to take math. <laughs> you know, yeah. Boots, Boots can just do math for this slip, mm. you know. So he has, yeah, it's pretty easy for him. That's the one that's kind of kicking my butt. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so math is, kicks people's butt and it makes you feel like, Ugh. but you know, math was one of those things that, that the building blocks for that started a long mm. time ago. Mm. You know, when I, when I, New kids, I start giving them multiplication yeah. problems, mm -hmm. you know, right off the bat, mm -hmm. just to see how how ingrained it is. Yeah. In their minds. Okay. Because you know, and so many of the kids that are not good at math don't just have that those multiplication tables just like people that type know where the keys are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a good. Uh, Good thing for the amphetamine, uh, amphetamines, like you know, make do people mad, and then whenever they the little kids have like get get it right, pow, yeah. amphetamines. Yeah. Oh. Well, so 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 anyway, so uh, yeah, Jared uh, uh, Zane's boyfriend mm. doesn't you know doesn't do math, and so he's got to take these. You know, so it always beats you up. To yeah, do that, so. anyway. it's because again, it's not like. I can do math. It's just not interesting. It's yeah, tedious. Yeah. Yeah. So what, why, why I was thinking that I, that I would stay here at UCO is because 
uh, I've had like these conversations and I, I talk in class and like uh, I'm very like in it I'm interested in it um, my grades don't reflect that but like I, I've talked to my professors and they said that like they would accept me into the master's program um, so so yeah I, I feel like if I were to like hey could I get into the master's program over here it's like who are you look at your grades like they, they wouldn't Uh, this is...